Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, Dave Buchanan. WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, special, especially all you racing moms or maybe you are a mom that races. Happy Mother's Day to you and a big happy Mother's Day to my wife, who is the wonderful mom to our three-year-old daughter, Rebecca, and also a big happy Mother's Day to my mom and my mother-in-law and hope you uh, are enjoying yours with your mom and thanks for spending some time with us here this morning on WGR. I know I said we'd be off this week and hey, I lied. So here we are and... You know what? Wide open show today. No guests. All open phones here for the next 55 minutes or so. So if you got something on your mind about anything racing, feel free to chime in because we got plenty of room for you here at 803-0551-888-550-2550. NASCAR, IndyCar, local racing, whatever you want to talk about, bring it here this morning as we've got plenty of time to talk to you race fans out there in Western New York and Southern Ontario. As this Mother's Day edition of WGR's Fast Track, recapping last night's NASCAR race at Kansas as uh, the KC Masterpiece 400, which is a great name for a race, by the way. The the just it just sounds cool and barbecue sauce just you know it just goes with racing. So uh, I definitely like the the name of last night's race as uh, Kevin Harvick picking up the win, his fifth win already this season. Look out, Harvick is on a roll here. So we got that talked about IndyCar, of course. We talked to Jim Aiello last week of the Indianapolis Star as the month of May in full effect down in Speedway, Indiana, in the home of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yesterday was the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, the road course race at the Brickyard, which sees them going the opposite direction down the front straight, which always looks a little weird. But Will Power uh, dominated that one, but some good, uh, good racing for the lead late in the race between him and Robert Wickens and then Scott Dixon. Uh, but Will Power picked up the win, his the 200th for Penske Racing in IndyCar as Penske celebrates their 50th anniversary this season. Uh, so there, and now the attention will go back to the oval course now with uh, practice starting up on Tuesday for the running of the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500. So there's that to talk about. And hey, full week and a low, well most. Almost for most everybody, it was a full week at a race. A couple of tracks did rain out Friday and Saturday, but hey, I got both my shows in, so I got my first full weekend of local racing in, and it felt really good. So if you were out at your favorite local track this weekend, I'd love to hear about it at 803-0551-888-550-2550. It felt like a racing weekend for once for me. You know, it just uh, at the track and NASCAR and IndyCars, everything going on. It was uh, it was a good weekend racing wise, and we still got Sunday to just kind of relax and chill now because uh, the Cup race uh, 
with yesterday. You don't have to watch that today. So uh, we'll just enjoy today with our families and moms. But again, we're here with you until uh, 12 o'clock today here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Again, last night's cup race, Harvick getting the win is fifth of the year. As a late race uh, restart, had him sitting sixth when the green flag waved, but he made it up to second and then caught and passed Martin Truex Jr. just before taking the white flag to pick up the win, his fifth of the 2018 season. So Harvick, your winner, Truex, finishing in second. Joey Logano, another solid run for him in third. Kyle Larson led the most laps. Heck of a night for he and the 42 team. Uh, they went to the rear of the field for an unapproved tire change following qualifying, and he stormed through the field and, and just in true Kyle Larson fashion, just riding that outside line to the front of the pack and uh, led a good chunk of the race. Got caught up in an incident with Ryan Blaney late in the race where those two made contact, and Blaney hit the wall pretty hard and took him out, out of the took him out of contention, but Larson overcame that and still held on to finish fourth. Another good run as, as Larson just continues to be one of, if if not the best Chevy car right now in the field with all the tr- struggles the Chevy cars have been, Chevys have been having this season. Larson uh, continues to be the best of the bunch as he came home fourth. Denny Hamlin in fifth. Paul Bernard, a good run for he and the Wood Brothers in sixth. Eric Jones, seventh. Kurt Busch, Eric Almirola, and Kyle Busch rounding up the top ten last night. Uh, other notable names in the field, Ricky Stenhouse and Chase Elliott finishing 11th and 12th and a little bit of discussion on Pitt Road following the race. Good run for David Reagan in 13th. Brad Kozlowski in 14th. Clint Boyer, uh, part of a, a big late race incident, but managed to finish the race in 15th. Uh, Jimmy Johnson continues his struggles. He finished 19th, two laps down. Daryl Wallace finishing in 23rd. Daniel Suarez got caught up in an incident with Alex Bowman, and uh, he went several laps down, finishing in 28th. Ryan Newman also caught up in that big late race wreck involving uh, William Byron. And once again, as Daryl Walter pointed out on the broadcast, Newman winding up with a car landing on his hood, which just seems to happen uh, somewhat frequently in the Cup Series over the last couple of years. That's twice now this year alone that Newman has had another car land on him. He finished uh, 30th. Byron also William Byron also part of that crash in 33rd. And Matt Kenseth in his first start since the end of last season, this time for Roush Fenway Racing. Unfortunately, finished 36. He also got caught up in uh, one of those late race accidents and uh, finished 36 in his first cup start of the season. And unfortunately for he and Roush Fenway Racing, but not completely surprising as they kind of struggled for most of the day, running in the 20s, falling a couple of laps down. So it's obvious they still have a lot of work to do with the six car. And, you know, maybe and they'll continue to... Uh, try and improve things there, but obviously uh, the, there's a lot of struggles for the six team. Um, and Kenseth will continue to remain in that car. I think for like the next five races, five or I think he's yeah six in a row. I think so. He's definitely running the All Star race in the Coke Six Hundred. I think he's going to run these like next five races in a row in the six car. So they'll continue to work on things, uh, of course. But uh, they were not uh, really looking much better than any of the races they've been running with uh, Trevor Bain so far this season. But Harvick, I mean, what do you what do you say? Five wins out of the first twelve races. He's almost batting five hundred. And what's going to be the ceiling for this guy this year? I mean, I know Truex had such a dominating year last year. All those stage wins, uh, eight race wins overall, twenty six top tens out of thirty six races. Uh, but it seems like with Harvick, it's going to be how many wins he racks up this year already. I I thought you know after Kyle Busch won his three in a row that this could be this is going to be Kyle's year to dominate, and I'm not counting Kyle out 
but Harvick is just stormed back now, winning back-to-back races, answering Kyle's streak with another streak of his own. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, like an arms race to see which one of these guys can win the most races this year, or if one of them's going to just keep piling them on. And it could be Harvick with uh, five now. And after the race, uh, some interesting quotes from Harvick as uh, he was quoted as saying that it's addicting. Now it's a game when it comes to winning. So it's not like they're going to take it easy and maybe do a little bit of – uh, testing here during the middle stage of the season, knowing they're, that they're going to be, you know, they're sealed into the postseason, obviously, that, you know, they might work on some notebooks and some setups here in the middle part of the season. No, it's potential that he and Rodney Childers are just going to go to the track every week, just going for the W. Obviously, they don't have to worry about the points because they're in the playoffs. But instead of just maybe taking it easy or building a notebook for the postseason, they're just going to keep trying to pile up wins. And it'll be interesting to see how many uh, Harvick and the four team can get this year because uh, it's been uh, 10 years since we've had a double-digit winner in the Cup Series. Jimmy Johnson, when he won a second championship in 07, won 10 races. Truex, of course, won eight last year. Uh, but between there, we haven't had really anybody win more than six or seven uh, races in a Cup season. So Harvick, at least at this pace, will likely break double digits. Obviously, it's a long season. We're only a third of the way through it. But there is potential here for Kevin Harvick to uh, get to 10, 12, maybe even 15 wins. Just at the pace he's at, he can easily do it. Uh, We'll see if they can keep it up all season. But, uh, yeah, Harvick saying it's addicting. Now it's a game. Uh, It's just a good time to be at Stuart Haas Racing, he said. They're doing a great job putting fast cars in the track. But when you look at it, a night like tonight really shows the experience of the team because he feels like it's the kind of cars that he had in 2014 when he won his championship, but they had a lot of parts failures, and it was, of course, a new team with Stuart Haas that year. And then he goes on to say, as I'm kind of paraphrasing here, uh, made a lot of mistakes and just didn't really know how to deal with like we do now. So, here, so you know, this is four more years of experience and a championship season under their belts. Um, they're now really uh, feeling like they can just go all, 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 excuse me, all out each and every week. And uh, we'll see if uh, he can pile on and get up to double digits. But yeah, Harvick definitely uh, on pace, and, and Kyle Busch uh, possibly also could, again, it could be just an arms race between these two guys who could uh, stack up the most wins this season. Uh, who would you like to see win more, Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick? 803-0551, Although Busch is still the points leader. Of course, Harvick has those two finishes that are worse than 30th between uh, the crash at Daytona and the problems uh, at Fontana that ended his win streak earlier this year. Uh, so that's why Harvick is still third in points behind Kyle Busch and Joey Logano, although Kyle now has, uh, well, for Kyle, he struggled. He, he had a uh, way of the, the uh, parts failure a couple weeks ago, and then he's got a couple finishes, the 10th and 13th. But uh, he still leads the points. Logano is second. Harvick is third. Then Keselowski, Kurt Busch, Boyer, Hamlin, Truex, Blaney, Larson, your top 10. Then you got Almirola in 11th, then there's a gap back to Jimmy Johnson in 12th, and then you've got the guys that are going to be fighting for those final uh, points positions for the postseason here for the rest of the regular season with Jones, Bowman, Elliott Stenhouse, uh, and then Dylan Austin Dillon is 17th, but of course he's got that Daytona 500 win, so actually he would be last in uh, for the postseason, and Stenhouse would be the first car out, and then you've got you know just on the outside, uh, Menard, Byron, Newman, Suarez, and uh, Bubba Wallace there back in 22nd. So, obviously, we talked a lot 
lot last week about the points in the playoffs, and you know, once we get out of the Coke 600 in two weeks, it, it's it, you don't see a lot of movement unless guys kind of pull off those surprise wins in some of the summer races. We'll see how that develops. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Of course, the big news of the week in NASCAR though came early in the week as. Uh, the report from Reuters that the majority owners of NASCAR, the France family, are possibly exploring, well, they are exploring uh, selling a sale that could include a majority stake in NASCAR. And that was the report from Reuters early last week. And uh, it's been a lot of discussion this week about the potential future of the sport should um, uh, should the France family sell their large stake in NASCAR. And uh, what the sport would look like when, if and when that happens. Obviously, NASCAR has no comment. And apparently there was an internal memo saying that the France family was committed to stock car racing. But it comes, the news comes at an interesting time, especially we just had the news that NASCAR was buying ARCA. Uh, NASCAR has uh, um, departed with some executives and some people have left the company. Actually, a couple of people with Western New York ties have left the company recently. Uh, Jim Cassidy who uh, is from Fredonia, uh, just got promoted to an interna- international position uh, working with the, the Mexico Series and the Euro Series uh, for NASCAR. He was let go by NASCAR. Uh, they parted ways. And then uh, Kurt Culbert from Wellsville, who worked in the communications department, ha- headed that up. He departed NASCAR shortly after the season began to take a job in the financial industry. So uh, we're seeing some uh, executives start to, to leave NASCAR, and they might be starting to trim down uh, some of their overhead to, for a potential sale. And uh, n- not too many names uh, have been leaked as potential uh, buyers for this majority stake in the sport. One is being floated around right now is Comcast, who, of course, owns NBC, NBCSN, a major partner. And then we've had the news this week that Comcast is looking to buy Fox. And uh, if that means that if Fox Sports 1 is part of that deal, that means Comcast would own both NASCAR television partners if this all happened. So what would that look like? But I don't think it's uh, it's not going to be like when the bills came up for sale and you had the the Pagulas and other people, individuals, kind of bought, looking to buy the team. I think if it's go, if someone's going to buy it, I think it's going to be uh, you know a multi uh, a big conglomerate corporation that's going to come and buy it, like a Comcast, uh, like the company that bought Formula One. You know, I don't see a, a single person, entity, or a family. I guess you could say, uh, like in the Francis or the Pagulas. Uh, to purchase NASCAR, and it, it's going to be a major corporation that kind of buys it and comes in and brings a, a more, even more of a corporate mentality to the sport. And that's what, um, you know, all these people that like to uh, uh, pile on the, the Francis, especially Brian Fant- France, for how they've run the sport uh, since uh, the passing of Bill Jr. And yes, they've made mistakes along the way, but some people like to kind of go overboard with their piling on and. You know, a lot of people say, well, you got to go back to how it used to be with no stages and no playoffs and all that and go back to, uh, you know, the old style cars. You're not going to get that with whoever buys this. It's going to be more. They're going to continue to change the sport and try and um, and trying to revive television ratings and revive ticket sales. And they're going to make changes to to NASCAR that's going to aim for a younger demographic. So for all these people that hate changing the sport, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, you're going to get rid of the potentially get rid of the France family at least out of NASCAR, but uh, it's probably you're going to see a lot more change in the future, and uh, because they're going to try and find ways to continue to increase the profitability, the marketability, 
uh, of the sport as uh, NASCAR right now. It's well documented all their struggles, uh, the t- title spot, the sponsorship issues that the the title sponsorship money is not there like it used to be with these negotiations with Monster and the fact they're going to be changing up how they do the title sponsorship of the Cup Series with going from just one main naming rights sponsor to a series of official series sponsors. So uh, the business is going to continue to change, and the product is going to continue to change. And uh, so for everybody that they, they claim to be these old-school fans that want to get rid of the France family, I'm just going to tell you, look out, because unless some, you know, unless Humpy Wheeler comes in and buy it, you know, I, I just... I think you're just going to continue to see a lot more change. And I, I and change needs to happen, obviously. Uh, sh- the schedule has got to change, shortening the races, I think, except for the, the major um, tentpole races, you know, like your Daytona 500s and Southern 500s. Uh, races have to get shorter. The season has to get shorter. And uh, some new life has, has to be injected into the schedule. And uh, the schedule, depending on who buys it and what actually – is part of the transaction because, of course, the Francis, not only do they own NASCAR, but they own International Speedway Corporation, which owns, I think, 12 out of the 25 tracks, you know, including Daytona and Watkins Glen and, and, and Richmond and Phoenix, among others. You know, if if the Francis still own ISC, who, you know, depending on who buys NASCAR, how that relationship is going to work and the relationship between uh, whoever owns the majority stake of NASCAR versus the major track owners in ISC and, and Speedway Motorsports, who, of course, is, you know, the, the Smith family, uh, uh, Bruton Smith and Marcus Smith, and that the own SMI, you know, how that relationship changed. Will whoever becomes a majority owner, will they be more willing to work with more tr- different track owners, uh, independent track owners? I mean, I, I don't know what facilities are out there that could come in that aren't that are owned independently i mean the the one track that always gets mentioned uh is Iowa Speedway which is actually owned by NASCAR and not ISC so i don't know if that would be part of a transaction but uh would we see uh some of the favoritism shown to ISC and SMI facilities would that go away and would be a little more open bidding uh to land uh major NASCAR dates not only in the cup series but the truck series and the, and the Xfinity series so a lot of change will come if and when this transaction happens and uh, the France family share, uh, sells their majority stake in NASCAR and what the leadership of the sport will look like once all that transpires. But um, I guess if I own NASCAR, I hate I hate you know to to, to make it sound like that. But if uh, if it was me taking over. Uh, yeah, the schedule would be the first thing that would get uh, what to take a look at. Uh, I really don't the the you know I'm fine with playoffs and stages and all that. I think it uh, it generates drama, which is good. I know it's uh, it's you know it's made for TV drama, I guess, but uh, you got to do something because the the old way of just thirty a long thirty six race season with one points that just it's more likely to lean towards. One guy being able to, uh, you know, dominate a, a season kind of like Martin Truex. I mean, imagine if we had the old point system last year with Martin Truex. What was he was doing? The the championship would have been sewn up long before we got to Homestead. So I like having this, you know, championship game. I guess you can call it in Homestead. So I would be for keeping stages and playoff racing um, in the sport, and I would really look to start with the schedule. And work on that, make that more entertaining, shorten the season up, have less uh, big end-of-year races, you know, go head-to-head with the NFL, of course, too. 
uh, you know, despite television ratings for everybody being down, trending downward the last few years, obviously NASCAR, uh, they're losing ratings a little bit more than sports like the NFL, but continue to improve the schedule, continue to work on the digital aspect too. Obviously, um, NASCAR has been trying to get better at that and working with people like Twitter and uh, you know putting in-car camera views on Twitter and their app and uh, race view and everything that they do. Continue to work on that product as well too, and uh, and everything that goes with that. I know you know NASCAR has also been doing esports stuff, which I don't know anything about, by the way, and I, I don't get the uh, attraction of it, but they all, uh, announced uh, a new uh, esports league for kids, I believe, and uh, they do a lot with iRacing, of course, but continue to work on that and continue to try and uh, have their demographic and target audience continue to skew younger to trying to get more fans into the sport, because uh, when you look at it, and one of those lists came out this week, the average age of the sports fan for major sports in America, NASCAR is one of the oldest uh, audience uh, for average age of audience. I mean, they're just behind usually like golf and horse racing for oldest uh, average age of audience, whereas sports like the NBA and even the NHL and the NFL you know, skew a little bit younger. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. Uh, if you want to uh, talk about that or anything else uh, that's going on in the world of motorsports, phone lines are open for you. Um, we're actually going to we did we're going to be getting a guest here, I believe, in, in the middle segment. So, uh, but we'll still take phone calls as well. Uh, I want to play a comment from Stuart Friesen when we get back after his third place run at Kansas in the truck race on Friday night. Uh, we'll uh, talk about that briefly because he gave a shout out to his uh, home track. And that was pretty cool. And uh, we'll uh, quick do a pre- excuse me do a quick recap of yesterday's IndyCar race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway too. So that's all coming back when we get back on fast track here on WGR. Stuart, before I open it up to the floor, talk a little bit about uh, difficulties with your shifter. Yeah, the the shifter knob broke off there uh, once we got the lead, um, and then trying to figure out where the knob actually was in the car and make sure it didn't get under a pedal or something. Um, and trying to save fuel, for whatever reason, I cycled the ignition and uh, went dead. So I uh, had to, you know, totally power down the car and then power back up. And um, I really didn't realize if you, you know, fall back those spots under yellow, you, you lose them. So um, that, was, that was new to me. Um, but, you know, like I said, we had, a, we had a great Chevy Silverado and we were able to race back up there. So it really didn't, you know, hurt us too bad. Hey, Stuart, Jeff Buck from jeffbuck.com. Um, along the same lines on that restart with no shifter knob, um, how did you do that? How did you shift? And also, where, where <laughs> when was When I was a kid uh, growing up at, at Ransomville Speedway, the track my, my family ran, uh, I'm pretty sure a water truck we had was about the same way. So um, it wasn't really a big deal. There's Stuart Friesen following the truck race on Friday night that he finished third in behind Noah Gregson and Kyle Busch, uh, referencing his days driving the water truck at the Big R. And uh, when uh, he and his family owned the facility and teaching him how to drive a uh, stick shift without a, a knob on the shifter as the shift knob fell off his uh, Hallmar Racing 52 uh, Chevy Silverado. Easy for me to say uh, in the truck race on Friday night, but still managed to finish third and may have uh, not made friends with Kyle Busch there as uh, they uh, had a little on-track altercation, forced Kyle Busch almost to drive off into the grass. And uh, Stewart tried to apologize, but according to some reports I saw on social media, uh, Kyle uh, wasn't having it, wasn't too happy with Stuart following the race. But another good run uh, for Stuart Fries, another top five run. He is getting so close to uh, breaking through for a first career uh, truck series uh, 
get a Truck Series win uh, on on the pavement. And of course, he had that great run in Eldora last year, but still looking to uh, get that first uh, first win on a pavement track. And uh, he's had some great runs this season and uh, could potentially uh, make the truck playoffs this year. A win obviously would go a long way, but he's right in the mix here early on. And uh, last year, of course, started the year, they struggled. He took some races off, but then came back and was gangbusters uh, late last season and improved big time. And hopefully if he runs all the races this year, uh, he'll make uh, the truck series playoffs, hopefully. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. We're actually going to talk to uh, Stephen Petty from uh, Merrittville and Humberstone Speedways here in just a couple of minutes, uh, a little bit of short notice, but Stephen's going to uh, join us to talk about those two tracks as uh, we hit a few more local racing facilities here to talk about. But uh, the IndyCar race yesterday, Will Power, as I said earlier, picking up the win, uh, leading 56 laps, but uh, had to do some battling with Robert Wickens for there for a little bit as Wickens continues to be so impressive here in his rookie year and really shows... Uh, just what talent he has driving for for Schmidt Peterson Motorsports. Uh, Power got the win. Scott Dixon got by Wickens late to finish second after Dixon started 18th, drove through the field. Wickens wound up third, finishing with uh, leading 20 laps and, and coming home third. Sebastian Bourdais, Alexander Rossi uh, rounded out the top five. Then it was Elio Castroneves, who, of course, has been uh, away from IndyCar full-time this year uh, doing some sports car racing for Team Penske, but of course will ran yesterday and will run the Indianapolis 500 as he continues to get his fourth win in the Indianapolis 500, but he finished sixth yesterday. James Hinchcliffe finishing seventh. Uh, Simon Pagino got into an early race incident but came back to finish eighth. Graham Rahal, Takuma Sato rounded out the top ten. Joseph Newgarden uh, spun out late in the race and wound up finishing 11th. And then finishing 12th, uh, yesterday, uh, Zachary Kelman DeMello, uh, he is, we talked about last week, of course, with um, Jim Aiello that Pietro Fittipaldi was one of the entries for the Indianapolis 500, but broke his legs, both legs, in a sports car crash last week. And uh, the team announcing that uh, Kelman Deme- uh, DeMello will drive that car for Fittipaldi. Uh, he did yesterday, of course, and he will do so for the Indianapolis 500. So he finished 12th. And uh, a tight points battle early on here in the season with uh, Newgarden holding just a two-point lead now over Rossi. A um, handful of races into the season. Bourdais, who had a good run yesterday, is third. Then Dixon now. Uh, Scott Dixon, after his runner-up yesterday, uh, is fourth. And Hinchcliffe rounding out the top five in uh, IndyCar points now. And uh, they'll be back on track on the oval track at the Brookyard starting on Tuesday. And then look forward to uh, qualifying next uh, later next week as well, too. And we are just two weeks away now from a Memorial Day weekend and, of course, the Indianapolis 500. And I'm looking forward to that one, as always. Uh, 803-0551-888-552-550. But let's uh, go to the hotline and bring in from the, uh, well, he, of course, works with me at the Ransomville Speedway on Friday nights where he serves as the uh, PR director and uh, well, third we'll say third string announcer, but he's also uh, now working Saturday nights at the Merrittville Speedway and the Humberstone Speedway and Sunday nights where he's been for a few seasons. Stephen Petty joins us on the line. Stephen, thank you for doing this on short notice, my friend. Not a problem, Dave. Good to be on. Uh, well, you are uh, off to a, a, a nice start this season at the Merrittville Speedway as they got show number two in the books this year and year number two under the ownership of Don Spies. Um, what are what are things like so far this season there in Thorold, Ontario? So far, racing action's been fantastic with the modifieds. All, actually, all six of our divisions we have up at Merrittville. The modifieds, Matt Williamson drove away last night after an exciting pass on Chad Brockman on the outside of turn three at Merrittville. 
just unbelievable pass. Ryan Soucy finished fifth last night. They swapped engines after hot lap, so they went back to Bicknell, got a brand-new W16 motor, and put it in the car. Ryan started dead last in the feature, finished fifth. And that was just unbelievable to see all the work that the Slack crew and Bicknell and everybody did last night. That, with the modified. It, it helps that Ryan works for Bicknell now, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that price tag helps just a little bit over there. Get the employee discount at least. At the sportsmen, pretty exciting there as well. We had 25 sportsmen last night over there, and I'm trying to remember who won last night. Jay Hitz. That's my mind switching racetrack modes on me all of a sudden. Uh, James Michael Friesman picked up the win last night, started up front. James Michael pretty much drove away. The Hoosier Stocks, Dave Bailey, started 10th and drove away to another one after a battle with Jason Fontaine. Uh, Cole Hardy won the four cylinders in a triple crown race, part of the duel on the dirt for the mini stocks, which started this year up there on the North Country. And then... Brent Bigelow won the Mod Lights, and Jeff Larmont won our brand-new six-cylinder division. Pretty much glorified enduro. I call it controlled chaos within reason, and it's fun. The guys get to pretty much they build enduro carts, put the roll cage in it. They cut out the windows and go racing, a fun way to get into the sport. Yeah, new division this year for the Merrittville Speedway, and uh, a lot of uh, some tracks have been experimenting with the six-cylinder cars, and, and good to see uh, Merrittville uh, giving it a try. But looking at the uh, the schedule this year, Stephen, what should uh, race fans mark down on their calendars? We'll start here with Merrittville, and then get you your thoughts on Humberstone here in a minute. But with Merrittville, what are some big dates on the 2018 schedule? Uh, Merrittville, of course, one of the big ones is Victoria Day Monday. It's Brian Stevens Memorial 67 lap modified race in honor of Merrittville's 67th anniversary. We're also bringing in the Action Sprint Tour, which is the Crate Sprint Tour that started up with Oshwegan. So they're coming to town on Monday. Of course, the big block race, the Harvey's 100 for the Super Dirt Car Series on Monday, August 6th for a civic holiday. Always an exciting show. Plus, we have the pasta dinner on Monday. And then, of course, we have the BI Series coming up we have the roc tour coming up in august they do a two-day swing in the region and then we'll end it up with the southern ontario sprints and the sportsman super dirt car series on saturday september the 7th of course as i said year two under don uh don speece and uh, not only the change in ownership but uh some some new folks coming in uh, uh, running the race program over there at meridville uh, and, and, but it seems like uh, everybody's uh, filling into their new position nicely and even had some change this year. Um, who are some of the folks running the show there now on uh, Saturday nights? Uh, Tommy Beals is race director in his second season. Steve DeVos is still on the flag stand. And myself and Jim Hanley are the announcers up there at Maryville. And it's been fun working with Jim. I know you've worked with him in the past over at Humberstone a few times. Yeah, Jim's a good guy. What did he r- try and run for mayor? He tried to run for mayor. He's on the city council, and he's planning on running again for mayor of Old Ontario. <laughs> That's pretty cool. We may have to, so we may have to call him Mayor Jim if he actually wins it this time. <laughs> uh, that, of course, the big one at Merrittville every year is that uh, 
Super Dirt Car Series, big block event, of course, the uh, back-to-back with Ransomville and the Summer Nationals, but that's always a good show. Uh, always the highlight is when they bring the starting lineup down in front of the fans there for drive introductions and then fire the engines right in front of the fans. That's always one of the, the highlights of the racing season. No matter how many times they do it, Steve, it's just cool to have the cars get up that close with the fans, and I know they love it. Oh, they love it. The fans love it. We love it in the tower. It shakes the tower, and it's pretty exciting. It definitely gets the adrenaline going with the big blocks when you hear the roar of the big blocks fire up in front of you at Merrittville. Stephen Petty joining us from the Merrittville and Humberstone Speedways. And, and Stephen, let's shift to Sundays. Of course, they're off today for Mother's Day. And uh, last week, you guys had the dawn of destruction. But the on-track action starts next Sunday. What can race fans look forward to this year at Humberstone? It is our same exciting five division show with our Pro Four trucks, our four cylinders, the Thunder Stocks. We renamed the Street Stocks to the Thunder Stocks to compare them with Oshwegan and Merrittville. And we have our Rush Crate Late Models, and then our Sportsmen are the highlight, the headlining division. On Sunday nights at Humberstone, we kick it off on Victoria Day weekend on Sunday with a fantastic five car show. Plus, we'll have the crate sprints in a few times. I believe the SOS is coming. And, of course, the big one with the All-Canadian Championships. And then the Pete Costco Memorial for the Modifieds, a big $4,000-to-win show at the end of August. And then we'll wrap it up with the Sportsman Super Car Series in September. And then, of course, the Eve of Destruction, Canada's wildest motorsports event at the end of September to cap off the year. Uh, did I see the the Bob Saint Amon uh, the Saint Amon family? They've moved their memorial race to Humberstone for this year. They did Sunday, July eighth is the Bob Saint Amon memorial race for the sportsmen. It's going to be for all divisions, and the Saint Amon family has been absolutely amazing to work with in planning the race this year. They moved it from Merrittville over to Humberstone, and we are glad that they did. And uh, the week before that, Canada Day, you guys are going to be open in, in a big holiday show of fireworks, and it's a big one for uh, the Race of Champions Dirt Sportsman. It is on Canada Day, and all of our divisions, $1,000 to win showdown for every single class. Wow. At Humberstone on Canada Day. So the, our trucks, our four-cylinder drivers, they won $1,000. They look they won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So we will expect big car counts that night as well. Uh, you've got uh, a new co, I believe, a new co-announcer there at the Humberstone Speedway, right? Kendra Adams, who was uh, a pretty darn good pavement late model driver uh, over at, uh, I believe, uh, Sunset or, or Flamborough. She's gone down south to do some work, and uh, she's also quite uh, pretty good uh, uh, in front of the camera and behind a microphone. And I believe she's working with you this season, right? Yes, she is. Uh, we got her feet wet last week with our Dawn of Destruction, and she thought it was absolutely crazy what our drivers did up there last Sunday with the Enduro. She's never seen Enduros go six and seven wide, and they went eight wide in turn three at Humberstone, which is pretty dangerous to begin with, with a normal stock car, yet alone an Enduro car. And she was great to work with, and she says she wants to get her feet wet in the dirt world, and she wants to run one of our dirt cars. So hopefully, who knows, we might strap her with a wireless microphone and Better go have fun in a truck or a four-cylinder, or even if she wants to run a sportsman. By all means, we'll do it, and we'll have fun. 
Very cool. Well, Stephen, again, thank you for doing this on uh, short notice. I really appreciated it uh, and, and getting to talk about uh, two of your home tracks. And again, uh, MeritfieldSpeedway.com and HumberstoneSpeedway.com. And Humberstone, again, starts their season uh, next Sunday. They are off tonight, but uh, 6.30 every Sunday there in Port Colborne. And then, of course, uh, every Saturday night in Thorold uh, for the Meritville Speedway. Stephen, we'll see you Friday night. The Big R, thanks again for the time today. Yeah, no problem, Dave. Thank you. All right, take care. Stephen Petty from... Uh, Merrittville and Humberstone Speedways as uh, part of the uh, Niagara region uh, for uh, the Dirt Car uh, Dirt Car World, along with the folks uh, at the Big R Ransomville Speedway. Uh, and uh, good to see uh, some uh, new faces over there uh, working over at Humberstone. And they've uh, I, I like the schedule. I think they're they're trying some different stuff. I, I think the the Canada Day show with the thousand dollar to win all the classes that's fun and then uh you know they they've tried to do some different things over there at humberstone and, and get some bigger races and uh it's uh certainly it's a fun place to go if you ever uh have a sunday night it's not very it's a technically as we as it famously is it's the uh short track that is closest to downtown buffalo if you take out the weight at the at customs over there at the peace bridge if it's just strictly time and distance and you take out the weight at the border it's uh the closest track to downtown buffalo and it, it's it's real simple you just Cross the Peace Bridge, uh, the second exit, once you get on the QEW, and then uh, just hang a right, and you go down, uh, I believe it's uh, Garrison uh, hi- or uh, Garrison Highway 3 there, and uh, you can't miss it. It's on the right-hand side, so it's, uh, it's a short drive for those of you that live uh, in the Buffalo area or the, maybe the northern suburbs. It's not a far ride. And uh, they do a fun little show. They try and keep the program moving because it is a Sunday night, so you can get to work on Monday. But uh, definitely, I enjoyed the couple of seasons I spent there working, and it's a fun little racetrack, and uh, they put on a good job, good show. And uh, Merrittville goes without saying, too, uh, of course, coming out of the uh, the Bicknell-Williamson era, now with Don Spieth. But they, the Modifieds, of course, are amazing there, and they, they've got some of the best names in the region there every uh, Saturday night. And the Sportsman Division, the at all the local uh, dirt tracks, uh, the sportsman divisions have some great car counts right now. So great action at both of those dirt tracks uh, just across the border. A short drive for those of you here in western New York. Speaking of local racing, we'll come back. We'll hit the local racing roundup. We've got some results to talk about, including a big race last night at the Lancaster Speedway. We'll talk about that and wrap up this Mother's Day edition of Fast Track here on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. We'll start with the Friday night action. The Ransomville Speedway kicked off their 2018 season. And in the Modifieds, Eric Rudolph cruised to victory over Ryan Susie, Pete Bicknell, Jesse Contras, and Matt Farnham. Adam Leslie, kind of a surprise winner in the Sportsman. His first victory at the Big R over Brett Senek, Derek Wagner, Kevin Wills, and Chris Burek. Chris DeZamba got his first street stock win, holding off Pete Stefanski in the closing laps. Anthony Hermanson won the four-banger race, and Cody Wolf got his first novice sportsman win at the Big R on Friday night. Uh, Lancaster Dragway, they had Test and Tune rained out. They will open up their points this Friday night. Also, Freedom Raceway down in Delvin was scheduled to open on Friday, but they also rained out. They will try again this Friday, too. Saturday on action, Genesee Speedway in Batavia. They got their second race of the year in the books. David Pangrazio getting the win in the crate late models, led all 25 laps. Rabeless Jr., Zeke the Street, got the win over Andrew Smith and Austin Susie, and that's a little bit of redemption for Austin as he was leading at Ransomville on Friday night until he broke, so nice to see him get a good top-five finish on the weekend. Dave Dubois got the win in the 360 late models. Uh, Teddy Morseman Jr. in the street stocks. Eric Brumstead in the mini stocks. Adam Jackson in the bandits lead, led all 12 laps. Lancaster Speedway last night. 
Kicking off the 60th season of stock car racing, Patrick Emerling won the Queen City Clash 75 for the Race of Champions Modified Series over Darren Shearer and Daryl Lewis Jr. Emerling coming through the field and uh, getting by Darren Shearer and holding on to victory, uh, including uh, holding off Shearer, who tried to make a late charge there at the end. But Emerling gets his first modified win at Lancaster since 2016. The race champion super stock feature went to Tim Gullo out of Elmira. The street stocks, Rich Sharp, back in victory lane as he came through the field after uh, suffering an early race penalty to pick up the win in his uh, title defense of the street stock championship. And Dave Brunka took advantage of contact between leaders Chris Pinnell and Dan Dressel to pick up uh, the opening night win in the four-cylinder division there at Lancaster. And uh, their Saturday night action will be uh, uh, returning this coming Saturday night there at Lancaster as the sportsmen will make their uh, season debut as well uh, this coming Saturday night. Ladies' night at Lancaster on Saturday, $5 uh, for ladies for general admission. Plus, they're going to have a uh, powder puff race uh, for the four-cylinder cars as well, too. Uh, Holland Speedway uh, had their uh, practice session rained out, but they are going to try to kick off their season this Friday night. Uh, Friday racing starts at 7.30 there at the in the hills of Holland, so they're going to race uh, the street stocks, uh, their four-cylinder street stocks, eight-cylinder street stocks, TQ midgets, and sportsman modifieds as uh, they will kick off uh, their new era uh, this coming uh, Friday night. So uh, some back-to-back -back, uh, asphalt racing in western New York with uh, Friday at Holland and then Saturday at uh, Lancaster and uh, Wyoming County, too. We'll be uh, getting going here very soon as well on Saturday nights down in Perry, New York. So that'll do it. Thanks for listening. Uh, once again, happy Mother's Day. Have a great Mother's Day, all you moms out there. Hope uh, all you, everybody can have a great day with their families. We'll talk to you next Sunday as we've got all-star racing action down in Charlotte. We'll see what uh, the cup cars look like with restrictor plates on a mile-and-a-half track. We'll see if that can improve the product at all just a little bit. And uh, we've got uh, Indy 500 uh, qualifying will be next weekend, so we'll take a look at uh, how the field starts to shape up for the greatest spectacle in racing, and hopefully a lot of local racing to talk about. Hopefully we get a nice weekend, everybody can get their shows in, and uh, we can get some uh, more local racing action here in the books as uh, the 2018 season just getting rolling. Thanks for listening, we'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. Hello, this is Joe Cordell of Cordell & Cordell. Here are a few quick divorce tips. We This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.